Some trials may come from day to day, heartache and sorrows may come my way, but nothing can stop me from holding on with Jesus walking by my side I'm going on I'm going on I'm going on I'm going on toward the mark toward my home
Come new. It's his redemption. We must go forward and forward and sharing that wonderful, wonderful news, the hope of Jesus Christ. Go forth in Jesus' name. Praise his holy name. Praise God. You can hear the sound of wood scraping on the earth and through those narrow streets. See the drops of sweat and blood flowing down around my Savior's feet. As condemned, he struggled up the hill and surrendered to his Father's will. Never has such love and sorrow me. In one final sacrifice, he spread his arms alone and died alone. The final price for you and me. Jesus' love flows full and free without question. part you need to remember. Should ever I doubt my soul's been ransomed I simply cling to Calvary's tree. Here's the part where we deal on the old man. Now hear the sound of tears falling from a broken-hearted man. We daily fail the matchless grace giving by our loving Savior's hands. But I know that he has covered me by the blood he shed on Calvary. Though my sins were great, I spotless stand. And through all the ages, I'll sing my grateful praises of a sinner saved by that one perfect lamb. Oh, Jesus' love, it flows full Without a question, oh, it purchased me. Here it goes, folks. Should it ride down, my soul's been ransomed. I simply cling to Should it ride down 
his name. Jesus, your name is power, breath of living water, such a marvelous mystery. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all
I've made 
let this be your life. That hell can't separate us. And we're gonna make it through. This is the promise. This is the promise I've made to you. cut some of it short I know I know you believe that <laughs> I praise God for what God is doing today I praise him for the week that we've had God has been good and uh, we did have a beautiful prayer meeting Tuesday night had a beautiful Bible study Thursday night and I thank God for what's been said and done even I Marcia gave a beautiful testimony Thursday night. We had a little Bible study at our house Friday, and my daughter-in-law gave her testimony, and I thought it was so precious. And uh, never heard her open up like that, but I thank God for what God is doing. I want to talk to you today about something, and I'm going to go at it like God went at it with me. First off, there's a scripture that God spoke to my heart. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's in James, the first chapter, the eighth verse. What does that mean to you? What is a double-minded person? I'm going to go through some of that today, and I want you to think about it because one of the hardest things that's going on today is people are double-minded. People have their mind set that I'm going to go to heaven I'm going to belong to the church. I'm going to put my tithes, offerings, uh, my works. I'm going to put them in a, a certain building. I'm going to support that building or whatever I'm doing. But their mind is not on God. Their mind is on other things. Now, I'm not trying to condemn nobody, but I want you to hear what the enemy's doing to deceive because the enemy is deceiving us daily. Daily he's working to try to separate. And you know, the one place it says, 
a house Jesus told Satan, a house divided cannot stand. A house divided will fall. And if you're a house that's divided in you, and, I, and nobody's perfect here, won't you understand that? We don't all think the same thing. We don't think the right thing all the time. We all make our errors and our mistakes and our, our sins, and we got things that we need to grow up and learn, and God's working on us. Some things are those sins that we commit. Some things are those are, that are sins that we omit, which means we don't do things that we know we should. It's not that we went out to commit a sin. We just ain't doing what God told us to do. But there is a walk in this thing. It's funny, all the songs are pointing this direction. But we, to go forward, you're going to have to understand the enemy is going to fight you all the way to the end. And when I look back and I see saints of God that I have watched over the years, I realize they were in a battle for their life. How many knows what I'm talking about? They didn't just get saved and sit down and do nothing, but they made it their obligation, God, I am going all the way with you. And I want to tell you something, you'll have to have that committed mind. You'll have to have, we talk, talking about Ruth a couple of weeks ago, how Ruth had gave away everything. She had sold out herself to follow her mother-in-law, and it was God's will. And I want you to understand something. When God saves you, he saves you for a purpose. But you're going to have to turn yourself away from that old man. The old man is to die. That's what baptism's talking about. You die to the old self. You come up a new person in Christ. You live for Christ from that day forward. I can't help what the churches a lot of times tell you. They'll tell you it don't matter. You're doing the best you can. Don't worry about it. But I'll tell you you're in a fight for your life. You're fighting for your faith every day because the enemy is out to divide that from you. He does not want you to trust God. And don't mean to holler. I'm not trying to holler, but I'm trying to get my point across. On the, and one of the scriptures that, that stuck out to me was when Jesus was taken into the wilderness and tempted. He was tempted by the devil. Now, I want you to hear this because even Satan's trying to part the mind of Christ. He's the son of the living God. He was taken there to be tempted. But I want you to hear one of the, just one of the temptations the last one, again the devil, verse uh, 8 of Matthew 4. Again the devil takes him up unto an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And said unto him, Satan said unto Jesus, listen to this, all these will I give thee, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Now, why, what does that mean? To me, what he's doing is taking the Son of God and he's saying to him, I will give you all of the glory of all of the world. Can you imagine the choice the night you got saved? Can you imagine? You might say, well, I gave up myself. I gave up this. I gave up that. Jesus was shown everything as a temptation. He was shown in all the glories of all the world. Now, I want to tell you something. we got some rich people, and the Bible, we talked about it Sunday, uh, Thursday night. Uh, it's hard for a rich man to enter into, how, enter into the uh, kingdom of heaven. Why? He cannot get his mind off of his riches. He cannot 
break loose of those riches. Even the rich young ruler, he was stuck on what he had. And when Jesus said, sell all you have and come and follow me, how many knows he couldn't make the choice that we have to make? Every one of us are in the same boat. We're all in the same category. We all have to make a choice to live for God. And if you don't make that choice, the enemy will have you half in the world and half in the church. And that pretty soon the enemy will weigh out because you know what? He's keeping the old man alive all the time. And the old man appeals to the flesh. And the flesh is crying out for what it wants. I don't know who I'm talking to and I don't know that I'm supposed to talk to anybody. I'm just talking to all of us. But I want you to understand something. This is serious. It's not that I say it's serious, but I want you to understand the double-minded way that the devil works. And it goes on to say, Then said Jesus to him, Get thee hence, Satan, it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. And this is the part I like. And him only shalt thou serve. What's he saying? There's only one that I serve. The son has said, there's only one that I serve. So when money comes at you, listen, what are you saying? When money comes at you and you're in love with that money, remember, Jesus said, and him only shall I serve. Don't serve your money because I tell you right now, your money is going to allure to get you away from serving God. We don't trust God. Our faith is not in God. Like I said a few weeks ago, the years ago, the old farmers, they prayed for their crops. Their faith was in God. Their faith was, God, bless us, give us rain, give us sunshine, give our crops the increase that it needs. But we don't depend on that no more. No, we got a better a solution, a better manure. I'm sorry. Sounds terrible, don't it? You get the right manure, it'll grow. And I think to myself, what a comparison. Trust God, pray to him, or, or go find the best manure you can find. And you know what I'm telling you? I'm trying to tell you is watch out what the devil's telling you because the devil's got something for everybody. He'll fit everything you're into. I want you to turn to John, the 12th chapter, if you got your Bible. Going to read about a woman named Mary, Mary of Bethany. Going to read a little bit of this, and I'm going on to something else. But I want you to hear it. I want you to hear, listen to this. Listen to me, Christian. I want you to hear that Mary took her opportunity of life to do something for Jesus. You listening to what I'm saying? You know what? Your opportunity to do something for Jesus, it might be today. It might be now. You've got to think about what you are. You are given. You have been bought. You have been paid for. And you're a child of the king. And if he calls you to and opens up an opportunity for you to do something to exalt and, and lift up the name, glorify the name, of Christ. It might be the thing that God brought you into this life for. You have no idea. But I think this was one of the greatest things that was written. In the 12th chapter of John, the third verse, then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, 
very costly. Understand it, it was costly. It was something that cost her a lot. And then it said, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot. How many knows who Judas was? He's the one who betrayed Jesus. Now I want you to listen. Then, one of, then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him? Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? How many knows Judas is double-minded? Would not he have thought this woman's given something very costly to the Savior of the world? Wouldn't he have thought as a disciple? Think about it. He watched Jesus walk on water. He watched Jesus tell the storm to be still. He walked with him. He talked with him. He has done a lot of things along with the rest of the disciples. He saw it all. But somewhere his mind started double thinking. Oh, I can, you know what, that, I love money and money. He's the one who held the bag. So you understand, when Jesus, uh, when uh, Mary did this, he had it in his mind. That, that's worth a lot of money. We could have gave to the poor. Listen to what he's saying. Then he said, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, verse 6, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, let her alone against the day of my burying. Has she kept this? For the, this, for the poor always you have with you, but me you have not always. Isn't that, isn't that kind of a precious, I think that's as precious scripture. Because see, Mary is somebody that was rescued of Jesus. And she's got one opportunity here to do something very costly to cost her greatly but she wanted to do it for his burying she saw Jesus she saw him for who he was she wanted to do a single minded thing to honor him and it says in other places that this story will be told of her all everywhere the gospel's preached why? Because it shows the single heart of a woman that loved God, that loved the Savior. Let me tell you something. You want to please the Heavenly Father? Love Jesus like you should. Fall in love with him. Be single-minded. Quit letting the enemy and the world take your time away from what God is trying to do in you. Now, I want to tell you something. There, there's too many in here that this don't mean something to somebody. These words I'm saying, I know it's hard. They hit home to people. Why? Because it's hard not to get involved in the world. It's like I said, we, we push our children to know all the things that they need to know so they can get a good job and beat somebody else out of that job. But the real truth is when you get it all in there, you want to do everything in the world to rescue them from the world. Because you know what? They don't need the money. They, don't need, they need Jesus. If they go anywhere, they need Jesus. Double-mindedness. I got up this morning, and I come back up from 
working out a little bit in my, on that upside down thing. And I come in there and I turn the news on. And I heard the same story most all of you have heard this week. Some man kills his three sons. What a horrible. And the news people were telling how horrific, how terrible. What kind of a man would kill his own children? Three little boys. They show their pictures. The same news person, one minute later, is whining and crying because they're doing everything they can to reverse Roe versus Wade, what has been passed to stop killing the babies. And I'm thinking to myself, don't you see your double-mindedness? That's a double-mindedness to me. When you uh, want to put out that they killed these poor little innocent boys, and that is terrible. I will tell you, that's a horrible thing to, to even look at. But then they turn right around and they're fighting with everything they got to get the right to kill babies legally. What's wrong with that? Is that not double-minded? Think about what you're doing and think about what God was thinking. Because I can tell you, God's not smiling at that. They're not standing up for my rights. They're standing up for what the enemy's trying to do. Divide and conquer and destroy America. Destroy the gospel in America. I'm not their judge and I'm not trying to be. And they may hate my guts. If somebody hears this on a tape, they may hate my guts. They may come and threaten me. I have no idea. But I can tell you this. That's to me where the double-mindedness is. It's all over the place. They talk out of one side of their mouth when it's for them. They talk out of the other side when it's against them. And I think you can't be on both sides of the fence. You can't play this divided game. God knows exactly what you're thinking. He knows exactly where it's going. Turn to John the 13th chapter, the next chapter. Look at verse 2. And supper being ended, John 13, 2. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now we'll skip all the way down to verse 18. And I want you to follow this for a minute. After Jesus washed their feet. L listen to me, Christian, listen to me. Judas' feet was washed by Jesus. Think about it. And I'm going to tell you one even harder. When he broke the bread and he did the supper, he gave it to him too. He partook of what Jesus said is my body broken for you and my blood shed for you. He partook of this last supper. Listen to what I'm telling you. We can't partake of both things. Listen to me. You can't have the mind that Judas had to betray him while you're supposed to be taking of what he's breaking his life for you and he's giving his blood for you. Let me tell you something. Somebody asked me, did Judas go to hell? I'll tell you right now, if he didn't, I'm not his judge. God knows. But I got to tell you right now, it don't show that he does. He went out and hung himself. But I want to tell you something. There was a double-mindedness going on there, and he had seen it all. He'd been as close to Christ as anybody could be. Jesus would come to him and say, go get us some 
some food for this. He'd give him the money, the bag, and he would tell him, supply enough for this, supply, give a little bit to those poor people over there. Jesus was telling him to hold the bag and do that. The temptation of him holding that bag was there all the time. Be careful what you want to play in this world because it might be something that you shouldn't be around. Should be, it might be something God's telling you to get away from. It might be something that's causing you to be double-minded. Verse 18 of John 13. I speak not of you all, Jesus said. I know, this is after he washed your feet. He says, I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture but that the scripture might, may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it is come to pass, you might believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receives whomsoever I send receives me, and he that receives me receives him that sent me. And when Jesus had said thus, he was troubled in his spirit. You know, Jesus got troubled. he just done the beautiful thing of washing the feet, become a servant. He was serving his own disciples by washing their feet. He humbled himself before them. And you remember the story how Peter said, not me, you ain't washing my feet. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you'll have no part in me. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see him, and I want you to see his heart is broken. His heart's broken over Judas. He knows what's coming. It says, verse 21, And when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples, they finally got it. You know what he He'd been telling him he'd going to get, he was going to get killed. He'd been telling him we're going to Jerusalem for me. To, but they finally come to the place where they see it now. Randy, they can see it. They see it. They get it on, his, on, on looking in his face. He's troubled. And they know. Then the disciples looked one at another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Talking about John. And then it says, Simon Peter therefore looked, therefore beckoned to him, talking about John, that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then lying on Jesus' breast said unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, who it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Listen to this. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, unto him, that thou doest, do quickly. How many knows Jesus washed his feet? He washed Judas' feet. He broke bread and told him what the bread was breaking for. He told him what the, blood, what the, what the drink was for. It was his blood being poured out. He told them all about, you know what he was doing? He was pleading, in a sense, giving Judas one more chance. Turn from this, Judas. 
Turn from this that's in you, that's turning you away from me, because you're ready to, to turn me in. You're ready to give me up. You're ready to turn around and make a deal to get rid of me. Think about what he's going on. That's why Jesus' heart is broken. It's part of it. It says, verse 28, Now no man at the table knew for what intent he spoken to him. For some of them thought because Judas had the bag that Jesus said to him, Buy those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something, something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Once Judas was told to go and do what he was going to do, he didn't hesitate. He jumped on it and went. You know who Judas is? He's double-minded. He's supposedly a disciple of Christ. He's supposedly following Jesus with everything he had. He's supposed to took up his cross and followed him. He'd followed him. He'd saw everything the other disciples just about saw. Judas was there. And I begin to read that and I think, oh, Lord, the enemy is causing double-mindedness all through our nation. The church is half in and half out. We're passing things by and calling it God's church. And I can tell you, it's not what God says do. When you walk with God, you'll walk with God. You don't walk with the church that says you can do anything you want. You have to come to him, your servant, him, not some man or some man's ideal of what church is. Somewhere along the line, we have got double-minded. And the double-mindedness is from the enemy. Hear what I'm saying. It was Satan that entered into Judas. It was Satan that put those thoughts into his heart. It was Satan that fed him from the old lust and the old love that he had inside for the money. I don't know what he thought. Some have speculated that Judas was provoking Jesus to strike them all down and put Israel back in charge. Strike Rome down. I've heard every kind of story in the world, but nobody knows. But one thing's obvious. Judas had been there and took part of this ministry for a long time. He walked with Jesus. And somewhere along the line, he was ready to betray him. Some of us have seen people walk away from God. Some of us have seen people that wasn't sold out. They didn't make up their mind. They didn't fight the fight to the end. It's a battle to live for Jesus. You're going to have to fight your old person off. You have to fight this battle. In the prophecy of that, that day, in Psalm 41, 9, there's one verse. David said this. Yea, mine own familiar friend. Think about Jesus and Judas. Think about this in this one verse. Yea, my own familiar friend. Jesus called him a friend. In whom I trusted, which did eat my bread, he hath lifted up his heel against me. David wrote that long time ago. It was a prophecy that 
what Judas just did. Jesus said it, it, it broke his heart. It was, he counted him as one of his friends. Jesus talked to him probably more than he talked to a lot of them. If he talked about the money and he had to go and talk to him about what to do with it. Somewhere along the line, the enemy is stealing people. He's stealing people out because they think they can do what they want to in the world and it doesn't matter. It matters what you're doing. So many lives depend on what you do. So many lives. And if you don't think about what you're doing, the enemy will lure you to thinking, I can have both worlds. No, you can't. You're in a fight for your life. You better put to death the old man. You have to make up your mind. This is my way of life now, to live for Jesus. I'm not going to be half in, half out. And if I sit idle, you're giving the devil room to get in. Don't give him that playground to play in. In Luke 22, this is kind of a recap of this, but it says in Luke 22, 1, it says, Now the feast of the 11, 11 bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. The chief priests, scribes, sought how they might kill him. Talking about Jesus. These were the priests and the scribes of Israel. And they're, they're trying to figure out how to kill him and get rid of him. And it says, For they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priest and the captains, how he might betray him unto them, and they were glad and covenanted to give him money. And he promised, listen to what Judas promised these, these leaders. He promised and he sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. He knew they needed to do it without anybody looking. Judas knew Jesus was an innocent person. Judas knew, but he wanted to sell him out anyway. We know that he's the right way. We know he's the way, the truth, and the life. But for some reason, we're willing to sell it out. We're willing to give the enemy the space to destroy us. You know, it ain't what we do. It's what he's doing in us. It's what God's trying to do. It's just like Mary with that precious ointment. That's all Mary probably ever had. That was her greatest value. But she wanted to do that for Jesus. And you think Jesus didn't see into that? He saw her heart that she wanted to give. Give what you have for Jesus. Surrender it all and say, Lord, I'm waiting for my opportunity to give. Sometimes I hear the testimonies. Marcia and, and my daughter-in-law, they testified. I thought, what a precious, precious testimony. Nobody probably's ever heard it. You don't have to hear everybody's business. But can I tell you something? Well, I, I thought about that when I was thinking about this. Because the enemy... He don't want you to take what's precious to you and put yourself out there. Yeah. 
But this Mary, she not only broke it and poured it, but she took her hair and she washed his feet. How precious is that? How much she must have loved him. How much she saw the truth of who he was. She did it for his burial. She knew he was going to die for her. She knew he had came to pay a price. In Matthew 27, I want to read two or three verses there. And uh, Matthew 27, about one through five, I think. It says, when the morning was come, this is after they've arrested Jesus. He's been betrayed. It says, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and elders of the people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, listen to this. Now, I want you to think about this because I want you to think about what Judas has got left after he did what he did. Then Judas, which betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself. Uh-oh, is that good or bad? says Judas repented himself. What did he repent to? He repented to himself. I didn't do the right thing. What he's really saying is, I don't like, I don't think it's fair how the results came out. You know, a lot of people, they'll rob a bank and say, I didn't mean it for it to turn out that way. I just thought I'd get a little money and be on the upper end of it. How many knows what I'm talking about? Judas, he saw that they, they had condemned Jesus. He repented himself and bought and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said to him, what is that to us? See thou to it. They basically looked at Judas like, so you did what you did, and if that's what you think, well, you're on your own. Now listen to this. And he cast down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. And the chief priest took the pieces of silver and said, it's not lawful for us to put them into the treasury because it's the price of blood. How many knows that the right people that gave the money that really is the ones that was after to kill Jesus? They're the ones that sold him out. They're the ones that got Judas to make this deal. And now they act like, Judas, you're on your own. But we're not allowed to put this money back in the treasure because it's blood money. So we'll go and buy a potter's field and bury the Gentile people. They thought they were justified to do what they did. But I want you to know the guilty party ended up back with their own money, and they spent it the way they spent it. You think that released them from anything? I don't think so. They, they are the guilty party. They're the ones that rejected Jesus. Come on back up, Becky, whoever's coming up. 
On down at verse 9 of 27, it says, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the 30 pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they of the children of Israel did value. What's that saying? That's saying that Israel valued their Messiah as 30 pieces of silver. They sold their, their Messiah that they'd waited for so long. Why did they do that? They stood in the religious place and thought, we're not allowing him to change our, our job, change our place. We're happy with what we're doing. We got a position, and we're not letting Jesus change it. And you know what? Jesus showed them when he came and, and two or three different times, he came and cleared the temple out. Why did he clear it out? They had turned the house of God into a den of thieves. How many knows he's showing them they're double-minded? He's showing the mind that they have. All they were concerned with was what the money was getting. They weren't concerned about what it meant to take the house of God and destroy it. I said at the beginning, I'm going to say it again, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. On down in James 4, verse 8, he said, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. How many knows double-mindedness is a problem? It's not something you can shake off. It ain't something you can talk yourself out of. It's something that will destroy you. People are deceiving themselves. Don't, don't allow the enemy to have that room in you. That's how easy it happened. Judas walked with him every day. Every day they were together. How could he turn around and sell him out? How could he betray him? And when he betrayed him after, I think it's, I believe myself, it's my personal belief. I look at it like when he washed his feet and when he broke that bread and he partook of that, he was partaking of the body of Christ and yet he turned around and betrayed him. How many knows that's two-sided? You're supposed to be believing for him and what he's doing for the good, but you turn around and sell him out. I think that's why Judas did have no space. Another place it says, in the other places where it talks about Judas, it talks about, it talks about how it'd been better that he had never been born. You ever heard that? It's in a couple of different places written about Judas. It'd been better he'd never been born than to turn around and all he saw and turn around and sell Jesus out. He betrayed him. Our nation is betraying the God that gave us this nation. I don't know what to tell you other than the days are coming when God's going to hold accountability. The accountableness is coming. I, I hope we're gone. I hope church, we're ready and we're gone. 
but there's accountability coming. If Judas could walk that close and be deceived, so can we. Pay attention to what the enemy is trying to get you to be a part of. Pay attention to the simplicity of walking with Jesus. It's a simple road. It's a simple life. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Cast down the imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We need to bring our thoughts into the obedience of Christ. You hear what that's saying? That means be careful when, you, when they tell you some wild story on the television and I'm thinking to myself, who told you to tell the story that way? Because half the time, the story's got a whole bunch of holes in it. And they want to tell it to make you think one way or the other. They'll tell you how much they care about certain people and I don't think they care at all. They obviously don't. There's nothing ever changes. Everybody stand if you will. Jesus called him a familiar friend. A familiar friend kicked up his heel against him. He's betraying him. Don't betray Jesus. He's your best friend. He's the one that will give you victory in life. He's the one that you look back and you say, I don't know how it happened, but my life was in the destructive mode, but God changed it. And now I'm blessed by God, and I don't know why. See, only God can pick you up and put you in that place. And what Jesus paid for, that's our ticket home. It's our way to live. It's our life. That's what I got out of the testimonies I heard this week. God picked me up, set me back on my feet, and told me I belong to him. Praise God. Don't you know we got a world that needs that? But they don't need to see us half in, half out. Don't be so much in the world that they wouldn't know. They'd be shocked to see you in church. We need to be living this life. We need to be upholding the name of Jesus with all of our heart. Our family knows it. Sometimes our loved ones will run from us because they know we're truly trying to live for God. If you need to pray while they sing something, you come. Call on my name today. I'll wash your sins away. I loved you long before the world was ever formed. I was born in poverty.
garden. Oh, how I weeped. Father, let this cup pass from me. But if it be your will, I'll climb up Calvary's hill. For you I was born in poverty. told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Did you know Satan was trying his best to deceive Peter? You think, well, Peter said a good thing. He was really fighting for Jesus. He was telling him, no, you can't go to Jerusalem, and no, they're not going to arrest you, and they're not going to die. But Jesus had a mission in his life. And you know, some of your best friends, some of your best family, might tell you, you need to not do that. You just need to go another way. But sometimes God tells you to do what you're supposed to do. And you have to uphold what God is talking to your heart. This is personal. This is a personal thing. And when Jesus left them with the gospel, they had to finish their own race. They had to make up their mind. And it wasn't Jesus dying. It was them dying for the gospel then. It was them laying down their life. Nothing's more important than what Jesus has done in our lives. Nothing. We don't have no hope without him. We have no tomorrow without him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. We need him, every one of us. <laughs> 